This is a Radio.com original. What's your favorite line from James Bond movies that you would think of, of think of while you're driving it? Oh. Favorite line. Or maybe just a favorite line from a James Bond this, movie. This, in relationship to driving an Aston Martin, shaken, not stirred. I feel when you get out of this car, you know, a little shaken, but not stirred because it was such an exhilarating drive. Time to shake and bake. All right, very good. Although that's another movie that we won't get into. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and others in the car industry and more. I'm Randy Cardoon, and this week we look back at an event I've always wanted to participate in, but really haven't had a chance to do it, the Motor Press Guild's annual drive day in Southern California, where nearly all of the car manufacturers bring cars for the automotive media to test drive, if you will, take for about a short drive or an extended half-hour run down PCH in Malibu, off Mulholland Highway. Well, this time, the event didn't disappoint. My first ride was a prototype 2020 Lexus RX 350F Sport. All-wheel drive, not being sure how this all worked, I uh, asked a Lexus representative to accompany me in my ride. So tell me, do you ever have a car sick? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm zigzagging around the roads. Um, I am fine for the most part, as long as I am looking straight ahead. If I'm looking down at my phone, reading something, I could get a little queasy, but not to the point where I'm, you know, super sick. Well, this is an important thing, (laughs) because now that you've gone through the ride with me, probably because this is the first vehicle you've been in uh, today, I would imagine you now know what to expect. Yes, actually, that is a very good point. This was, this was. thank you for being my my first experience on this route. That was definitely, it's definitely very helpful. <laughs> now <laughs> now I, she's not doing anymore. And I will gauge by the, by the event, end of the event, uh, if I need to start maybe sitting out on some of these rides. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect this to be this curvy, but I guess these are good roads to test yeah. the ability of the car to stay on the road. Yeah, yeah, definitely, especially. Oh, there we go. Yeah, right here. Mulholland Highway. So right. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So we're basically just doing a, a, little a loop. loop, yeah. So, and then in about three miles, we will make a left at the stop sign. This is weird. Stop sign in the middle of nowhere yeah, on Mahana. That is interesting. Is that for like deer or something crossing? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe it's where the antelope play. Oh, the antelope. Seldom is heard a discouraging word. Okay, I'll be nice on the curves now. <laughs> All right. It's a little bit more info about the RX. So um, the RX can get up to about 23. I keep thinking of RX-7s. That's Mazda, though. That's <laughs> yeah. something completely different. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, yeah. okay. And you don't work for a Mazda, so <laughs> I'll, I won't bring that up. Why did, why did they... That's interesting, because why would they call it an RX? Is that, How long has RX been around for uh, Lexus? Oh, it's been around for about 20, 20-some years. So a while. This is our best-selling vehicle. So, yeah, I'm not sure what, you know, wasn't around when that uh, naming of the RX happened, but um, if, if you're familiar with our products, we use a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, two, two letters for model names, and they all, uh, the, all the SUVs end in X. 
This is something I'll have to ask Mazda. Note to myself <laughs> yeah. later on. Yes. What is up with the RX thing? <laughs> All right. This should hold us here for now. We'll just get you back home. Thank oh. you for being such a good sport. Oh, yeah, of course. The car rides very smooth. Yeah, it is, right? The good news, she was not kissing the ground when I brought her back. Overall, the Lexus was a sweet ride, very comfortable, and comes with heated power steering. That's something you don't get everywhere. Oh, and six USB ports. I also got to drive the Ram diesel. Scott Brown of Fiat Chrysler gave me the lowdown. It's a Ram 1500 Rebel, so it's our off-road off -road trim, you know, bigger tires, an aggressive tire, a little bit of a lift. Um, but the, the new thing is it's got the eco diesel motor. So it's a three liter um, uh, turbo diesel, obviously. 460 pound-feet of torque, 240 horsepower. We haven't quite announced fuel economy, but it'll be available later this fall in our trucks. And, you know, it's a great truck. It's an award-winning truck, and now just adding another power plant um, to the to the portfolio. And that's because gas mileage or? Yeah, I mean, you, diesels get significantly better fuel economy. Um, we, this, we haven't released the numbers yet, but, yeah, you can expect a 20% or more bump in fuel economy. Okay, and this is also a uh, prototype? Well, it's a pre-production, early production. It's not a prototype. I mean, it's just an early build. Um, like I said, it'll be available in the fourth quarter, so the regular production ones will be out in a couple months. What should I look out for? Uh, just the torque. I mean, diesels are you know great work trucks. Right? And one of the reasons that we're offering it in a Rebel, a lot of times you see a diesel and they'll put it in the, the miser vehicle, right? The the street truck, right? Um, a lot of you know ranch workers, people that go off road, they want the, you know the, the the benefits of what a diesel gives you, which is not only fuel economy but also great great power and towing and, and off-road ability and so that's why it's here in this truck. We've got a high, mild hybrid system we call it e-torque that really helps the city and combined uh, mile per gallon. I don't have those numbers off the top of my head but you have an electric motor that's helping assist the gas motor on our V6s in the Rams and that gives you a nice little bump in combined and in, 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 in city driving. Gotta tell you on that ride being that high up in the Ram Kind of turns up the testosterone level, if you ask me. And then there was a car I didn't think I could fit in, being, you know, six foot three inches tall. Art Flores gave me the rundown of this set of wheels. You're my proof that I've just gotten into a Fiat, what's the name of this? Fiat? Fiat 500 L. Four-door? Yes. L for long? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I am 6'3", and I am not in the fetal position in the front seat. No, you're not. You seem like you're in a comfortable spot. Uh, you look comfy, so I think it's it's pretty large of a car for a tall guy. Which is kind of surprising. That's uh, that's the first thing I think we've noticed here. And uh, very nice seats. Uh, the 500 stitched into the seats here, and I'm about to take it for a ride. We're going to check it out. Thanks, Art. Yeah, my pleasure. Have fun. The good news about the Fiat 500, good handling and all-wheel drive really came in handy. Bad? Well, the engine noise was... Let's just say a bit much. I also drove the Hyundai Palisade. This is a big SUV that has a push-button transmission, eco, sport, and comfort modes, and something that every car is going to have before too long, and I thought this was just incredible, a blind spot camera. It turns on when you turn on your turn signal, for example. You want to change lanes? You want to go into the right lane? You put on the right-hand turn signal? And a picture pops up on your instrument panel electronically and shows you where your blind spot is. 
That is a cool feature. While most of the cars were drivable by anyone when they were available, there were about five really nice cars that were only drivable if you entered a lottery and won. And I won. Well, at least one of the cars. The Aston Martin. Or as Terrence Jenkins of Aston Martin explained it to me, You are going to be driving a DB11 V8 Volante. Um, this is a 4.0 liter twin turbocharged V8 motor. It puts out 503 horsepower, 505 pound-feet of torque. And as you know, torque is what accelerates you. So the engine produces more torque than it does horsepower. Mm -hmm. um, Just a little bit more than that Fiat I tried a little while ago. Quite possibly. Yeah. I can't mm -hmm. say what the Fiat has, but there's a good chance we have a little bit more power, yes. Yeah. Um, the cars are all handcrafted in the UK. Uh, when I say handcrafted, I mean it truly means, I mean it's English people with tools in their hands. When I'm taking tea breaks, um, they're actually building and assembling our cars. We have one robot in the factory actually. Really? Just yeah, one? Just one. What does it do? That robot is responsible for applying the adhesive on the assembly of the chassis. We need a very, very precise, repeatable amount of adhesive. Um, so that's the bonding robot, and we've nicknamed him James Bonder. James Bonding. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, everything else is uh, is uh, assembled by hand. Yes, uh -huh. and done by hand. Yeah. Very good. To the, to the point, I mean, the company is a little OCD. They want everything to be exact, the same. Um, all the leather you're looking at in the interior of this car was sewn by one seamstress in the factory. So each car that gets built, one seamstress gets assigned to sewing all the leather in that car. How long does it take to build one of these and from the start to getting it to the finish line? That is kind of like asking how long a piece of string is. And, and the reason I say that is because there is no real two Aston Martins identical. Everyone is very unique. But you're looking, you know, 160 hours possibly, mm -hmm. depending on the model and how much detail has gone into it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so things to watch out for as I'm driving, or things to look for while I'm driving? Well, this car has got a fantastic engine. Um, we do have a number of enhancements in the car. We have a button on the steering wheel on the right-hand side, which I'll point out to you when you're driving, and that changes throttle and gearbox settings. When you get in the car and you start it up, it's in GT mode. It's very comfortable, smooth shifting. You push the button, it goes into sport mode, and that changes the mapping for the accelerator pedal and the gearbox. So an automatic is going to shift a little bit more aggressively, a little bit sharper, and the throttle response is going to be crisper, and you get more oomph for your input, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next setting up from that is Sport Plus, and that's kind of like turning the volume up to number 11 in my book. Wow. It's very aggressive, very fast, all about the performance. And then on the left-hand side of the steering wheel is another button, which is changes the suspension damper settings. Uh, it's all um, dynamic. So it's constantly changing the damper settings anyway when you're driving. It's looking at your driving inputs, mm -hmm. and it's also monitoring the road surface. So it's making sure it's the most comfortable setting possible. But then once you get into sport setting, it's going to change it depending on the road conditions and your driving input as well. And then when you go to sport plus, it basically puts it into the firmest setting. But if the road is really bad, it will start softening it again to make sure you get maximum. Automatic. Friction. Yeah, it's an adaptive dynamic system. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very good. Um, our engine is at the front, it's a front mid-engine, so the engine sits behind the front axle. And then the gearbox is an 8-speed automatic transmission by ZF, it's brilliant, and it sits in front of the rear axle. So we actually have 
about 75, almost 80% of the vehicle mass in the middle of the car. So even though we are a luxury car manufacturer, really are a driver's car. Because these cars handle so beautifully in the corners, acceleration and braking and stuff like that. A lot of manufacturers, we do achieve 50-50 weight distribution. A lot of manufacturers like to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But really what it's about is moment of inertia. It's how that mass is moved upon by gravitational forces in the corners. So if you can get the mass in the middle of the car, it makes for a really a true neutral handling car and easy to drive. What's your favorite line from James Bond movies that you would think of think of while you're driving it? Oh. Favorite line. Or maybe just a favorite line from a James Bond this, movie. This, in relationship to driving an Aston Martin, shaken, not stirred. I like that. Very good. Because <laughs> that's how you feel when you get out of this car. You know, a little shaken, but not stirred because it was such an exhilarating drive. Cool. Time to shake and bake. All right, very good. Although that's another movie that we won't get into. <laughs> Suffice to say, from this point on, I was pretending I was Roger Moore or Pierce Brosnan. You know, kind of trying to look suave driving a James Bond-worthy car down PCH and in the hillside curves looking for a Bond girl that just happened to need a ride. You know how it goes. You, you see it in all the Bond movies. But I got to tell you, in review, the car was incredible and the drive was remarkable. Of course, being there with a lot of automotive journalist types, I decided to check out a couple of them and see what they thought. Paul Pollock is a big Corvette guy. In fact, he has a website called CorvetteStory.com. It's the entire history of the Corvettes, all the years, uh, starting in 1953. Uh, details about all the models, specifications and options, and uh, just the overall history of it, and special Corvettes, that kind of thing. It's quite extensive. It's like a, almost like a book on the web about Corvettes. So what's your opinion on the uh, 2020 Corvette? I like it a lot. I think it'll be phenomenally successful. Uh, they're doing the right thing by going to mid-engine, uh, basically because they had uh, gotten all the performance they could ever get out of a front-engine car. In order to stay competitive and keep up the bang for the buck, mid-engine was the way to go, and they're looking good. Very good. Uh, how long have you been a Corvette aficionado, and what was your first car? Uh, my very first car was not a Corvette. It was uh, my very first nice car was a Datsun 240Z. I've loved Corvettes ever since I was like uh, 20 years old, and I bought my first and only one in 2011, and that's a 1968, and that's also on the Corvette Story blog. Very good. Very good. Okay, so what was your first POS then? <laughs> that's a very long history of. Them. Is it? Is it? Is it? Don't tell me it's a Ford. No, I don't think I've ever owned a Ford. Um, oh, they've been uh, they've been a lot of disasters, and I've kind of blocked them out mentally. So that's why I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think we've all pretty much had those kind of disasters from time to time. So you come to an event like this. You've been to all of them. Uh, what do you think about the? I mean, how many? We had like what 20, 30, 40 cars here, and it's it's just it's just a who's who of what. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a good event. Um, they've had, uh, in the past, they've had uh, maybe a few more cars, but not as many people. This one was very well attended this year, which is good to see because that's what the manufacturers want. 
So tell me about this year. You just uh, you told me you tried out a couple of cars. What was the top car you th you drove, and uh, what did you like about it? I guess the top car I drove today would be the Jaguar F-Type, uh, the coupe. Normally I'm a convertible guy, but that was a pretty impressive car, very luxurious, very competent, so I like that a lot. Any similarities to Corvettes? Or, I mean, granted, this used to be a Ford vehicle, but now Jaguar's on a completely different company, but is it anything related to a Corvette? Uh, you know, they're, they're similar in as much as they're uh, kind of almost a similar price point, and it's a similar size, and a lot of the features are the same. Corvette is much more of a competition car. Uh, they're much more, uh, uh, much more performance-oriented. Jaguar is a little bit more of a boulevard cruiser, luxury car-oriented. Nothing wrong with that, uh, but that's basically the difference, differences between the two. You've been to all of these in the last how many years now? Uh, I guess I've been running it for four or five years at least. So what was the best ride you ever had at one of these things? The one that stands out was last year I drove the McLaren. And that is just an, an amazing car. And the other one that I drove uh, also last year was a Corvette Grand Sport that was equipped with summer tires. It was more of a competition car with a Z51 suspension and all that. That was a phenomenal car, too. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, the worst car you ever drove? Uh, I did not like the Porsche Panamera. Um, and I think it was because the uh, rep next to me kept on shouting at me about how great it was and you know my opinion is I could figure out if it's great I don't need to be told it's great and I did ended up not liking it for that reason okay so you would theoretically buy one just as long as they didn't put a rep in the front seat I advise that yes that's Paul Pollock and then there was the president of the Motor Press Guild herself Amelia Dalgard who loves to check out all sorts of vehicles on her website MotorheadMama.com. I write exclusively for Motorhead Mama, for better or for worse. That's my outlet. Uh, so my website, my YouTube channel, and obviously my social channels. So tell me a little bit about what you've driven so far here and what you liked and maybe what you didn't like. Well, thus far, it's been a terrible day. I started off driving the Acura NSX. Obviously. Oh, well, that's horrible. It was dreadful. Uh, and then I moved into the Aston Martin DB11 uh, Volante, which is the convertible. Um, and that's the V8. Uh, and I don't get me started on Aston Martin. I just love them. Just yeah. love them so much. And how often do you drive them? And when you drive them, you think to yourself, some James Bond song or James Bond uh, line comes out? Well, I'm a huge James Bond freak. But it's funny, the new Aston Martins, I don't think James Bond as much as I think, what organ do I have to sell to get this? I mean, does anybody, how, how many kidneys do you need? Yeah. I don't know, but I, I th I'm pretty sure it's, they're all optional. Yeah, some people uh, go with just one or a half. You know, I'm sure that are, they can't do much. No, I completely get that. I completely get that. <laughs> so then after the Mar Aston Martin, I drove the Mercedes GTC. So this is so. What you're telling me is you drove all the really cool cars here. Just well, wait a minute, because you had to have a lottery to get in for most of them. But because you are, no. you no. are president of the MPG, no. one would think you'd get it no matter what. I know. I was I was ready to pull rank. I really was, and and be corrupt. However, I bought raffle tickets and I won legitimately. 
Really? I know. It's it's. Uh, but but for the record, I'm not above rigging it. I just didn't happen to do it in this circumstance. Well, that's so nice to know. Now, and the first time we've had a chance to talk with you, and we move on. <laughs> exactly. So then after that, I drove the um, Stinger, and the, and the Stinger that's here today is that special trim, that special orange one, which is the GTS, I believe, all-wheel drive. Uh, which I just love the Stinger period. It's just so fantastic. I uh, drove the Stelvio Q4, which was lovely. Um, I also, I mean, call me crazy, but I got excited about the Subaru Outback. Subaru Outback. Yes. Okay. Why is that? Because it's been a while since I've driven a Subaru, and Outback really was lacking amenities. It was lacking the feeling that was keeping up with its competitors, and mainly like the Volvo XC40, right? That's such an amazing car, and I'm such a Volvo freak. And but and people ask me about Subarus a lot, but this felt really, really nice. I was happy with the amenities. I was happy with the way it, it was laid out, and it drove beautifully. And I understand the back has a lot of uh, rubber back there so you can put your animal. Exactly. I am a freak with my dogs and I've just started stand-up paddleboarding with my lab. So he gets very wet and dirty and it's a problem in my car but it wouldn't be a problem in the Subaru Outback. So how difficult was it to learn to stand up on those things? Let's be honest here. It's not like you get a ladder to get on it. Uh, so for me, it's not that hard because I... I I grew up windsurfing and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I knew board sports. But then you put your 95-pound dog on, and that's a little bit more difficult because he likes to jump in the water when he sees a seal. So Operation Doggy Paddle has been quite... Uh, it's taken a lot of patience, let's just say that. Okay, very good. Meanwhile, the dog's going, I can't believe she's trying to get me out here and drown me. <laughs> He loves it. He loves it, I swear. Okay, sure. We'll go with that. You also drove, what did I, oh, the Kia. Tell me about the Telluride. So I drove in the Telluride last year at SEMA, which was pre-launch. And what they did, they took um, people on a crazy off-road course. And I, I don't know if you went to that, but they did they had this big setup at SEMA, and they would take journalists out on this off-road course, and it was insane. Um, and so I've really been looking forward to uh, getting in the Telluride. It's really, really luxurious. I really wasn't expecting it to feel that luxurious. Kia has upped their game, man. I'm, I, it's really hard not to recommend a Kia. I'm trying to think if there's one I don't like. Ionic. Ionic. Well, that's Hyundai. Not wild about the Ionic? No, that's Hyundai, though. That's true, but it was for a while there after Honda kind of changed the insight from what it was into this clone of you know yeah. the Civic or whatever it is it seemed to be the only one with that per peculiar style yeah it wasn't even the styling that gets me at Ionic I just didn't feel like it was made well mm -hmm. but I would say out of I mean I've driven a lot of their vehicles both Kia and Hyundai and it's kind of crazy to to look at the price point and realize what they can do how much car you can get for your money from those manufacturers kind of blows my mind and their infotainment systems are the best easiest like oh thanks for keeping a button i like a button you know what i'm saying i don't want just just a big ipad in the center of my car i want a button because you know what my hands get filthy yeah, well okay and what about the dial are you a big fan of the dial i like a button and a dial 
I see. Button and a dial. A button and a dial, yeah. Okay. So yeah. what doesn't work then for you? Uh, I do not like lots of small buttons, redundant buttons, right? So this is something that I've noticed a lot of automakers do. Uh, they'll have the button in the center console, and then they'll also have it on your steering wheel, and then they'll also have it on the dash, and you're like, ah! makes me crazy. Okay, so just to recap, buttons and knobs, good. good. Redundant buttons, bad. Amen. Thank you. I just thought I'd take a moment to recap being sometimes I do sports, so it's like, okay, let's talk a little bit about that. You've been doing this for a while. I'm curious, where did you kind of realize you had the car bug? How old were you or how long do we go back? Very young. So when I was little, um, my dad, my dad was a car guy and my brother was a car guy. And um, my dad would take me to, um, he would take me, he would, he would take me to Ferrari rallies. Ferrari route. Yes, our next door neighbor had a Ferrari and he he had two of them. So he would need someone to drive the the extra. And so my dad would end up taking me and I absolutely loved it and I would beg him to take me with him. And then my dad would do this thing where he would he would get um, fleet cars because he was an ad guy, right? He wrote um, he wrote the E-Type, the original E-Type and he wrote uh, copy for GMC and uh, AMC, right? So that was, the, we had the Gremlin for a while. We, oh yeah. So we had the E-Type for a while. We had the Gremlin for a while. We also had the, um, the uh, what's that one that's basically the first SUV? The Eagle. Oh, yeah. The Eagle. My dad did that one. And then, um, you know, my parents were into cars. So we had a Land Rover. We had a Peugeot. We had a lot of crazy. Did you live in France or something like that? <laughs> my parents, I always say this, my parents were Anglo autophiles, which by definition makes them insane. They loved English cars. Well, that, that's kind of how a lot of people can be that kind of thing as far as cars are concerned. Yeah. What was your first car? My first car that I bought was a Saab 900 Turbo, 1981 um, limited edition two-tone sedan. I bought it for $2,500. I put over 200,000 miles on it and it went like stink. I loved that car. That's pretty knowledgeable for somebody in their first car. <laughs> well, my parents both had Saabs, and so I bought it from my parents' mechanic. But what's, what's really great is mine was faster than both of theirs. <laughs> loved it. Funny how that worked out. Dad's like grumbling on the other side of the wall there. <laughs> what was the first car they gave you or that you had before, the, not the one you bought? Uh, the first car... Well, my parents, so here's the thing. My parents gave my brother and my sister cars. And my brother totaled five cars and three motorcycles by the time he was 21, and they kept buying him cars. And then by the time I came along, my parents were like, no, we're not going to buy you a car. What? Yeah. Totally got gypped. The outrage. I know. But then my grandparents felt sorry for me, so they gave me an Aries K station wagon, <laughs> which I was like, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, those Aries Ks were so small, you couldn't do anything in the back of the station wagon, even if you wanted to. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, okay. Very true. Aries K, boy, oh boy. You know, there are clubs for that. There are not. There are clubs no. for Aries K. There are clubs for everything officially now, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> can, there are actually those kind of cars that have clubs. In fact, if you go to Chrysler Spring Fling, Yeah. Or Fall Fling, which is actually coming up next month out in uh, Woodley Park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chances are, not only will they be there, 
But I believe there's a couple guys there who have, I don't know if they're Aries K-Wagons, okay. but they are K-Wagons. K-Wagons, God bless. And I, I did not have the um, faux, I didn't have a Woody. I wish I did, because it would have made it just that much more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that was, that was quite an era. Thank you, Iacocca. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that was real wood either on that Aries K-Wagon. What? I know, right? I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just putting in a safe assumption on that one. What are you driving now? I drive a 2011 BMW X5M. Very fast. Ooh, okay. I got it. Cargal goes fast. I like that. And what is in every car person has this list? Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. The top... I'm the top three cars. Three? How many do you want? Five. I can give you five. five. You want five? That five would be better. Okay, let's do the top five cars currently on your list of cars you want someday. Okay, so I don't wear a wedding ring because I told my husband I'm not a jewelry girl, I'm a car girl. So make sure you, I always drive a nice car. And he said, okay. And then I said, and by the way, I want to E-type. <laughs> So he's been pretty good with um, letting me, you know, spend all our money on cars. But um, the E-Type, he hasn't quite come through. So that's at the top of the list. I always, well, I love one of those. I also um, would love a Dino 2. Ah, yes. Just love them, love them, love them. Uh, I also, you know, I'm a, I like to diversify. So I'd like an FJ40. That would be some diversification. It would, because, you know, you, you can't... Every, every family kind of has to have one of those. Exactly. And that would be good for the dog. <laughs> what? Okay, I want to hear how that goes. <laughs> it would be perfect. The stand-up paddleboard goes on top. We keep, the, we keep the shell off the whole time, and the dog can shake, and nothing gets ruined. And it's awesome. Okay, I'll go for that. What's next? Next is I want to be reunited with my Saab 900 Turbo. You know where it is? I, it don't. Ha it doesn't have to be that car, but I want oh, that model. I, I really do. Wouldn't that be kind of weird if somebody found your original Saab Turbo? I would cry like a baby. Really? I really would. Okay. Does anybody? What does what your old car look like? It is a two-tone silver and gray 900 Turbo, 1981. Um, you'll know it because we used to call it the crop duster. Its exhaust was just spewing, spewing black smoke. And it has um, light, the light blue velour interior. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that pretty much shapes that up. <laughs> the crop duster. If anybody knows out there where we could find that car, we're going to get it to Amelia somehow, somewhere. And who knows? It might even be running. Okay, I believe we've done four. Oh, good. Oh, I got one more. Okay. So I would like a 997 Porsche Turbo because that's a good daily driver. I had a 996 uh, C2S and I did love that car a lot. But then the Turbo came, the next gen Turbo came out and I had major car envy. So, um, so yeah. Bonus, bonus question, bonus car. Top American car that you'd like. Mm. Oh, that's so easy because this is on my original list. Pantera. Oh, yes. Uh, there you go. I always wanted a Pantera. Okay. Always. Love that car.
Motor Press Guild President Amelia Dalgard. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, share our show on social media, like our show, and subscribe. It's absolutely free. Leave a comment, and if you're on iTunes, rate us and review us. Thanks in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net. Follow us on social media, Talking About Cars on Facebook. Twitter is at talk N, the letter N, about cars, and at Instagram, talking about cars. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun. What else? Talking about cars. <laughs>